Welcome to the Citizens for Health radio show on Building Fortunes Radio with your hosts, Jim Turner and Peter Mingle. Make sure you check us out by clicking on the Citizens for Health radio show link on buildingfortunesradio.com. That's www.buildingfortunesradio.com. Citizens for Health provides over 100,000 supporters with consumer news, action alerts, and opportunities to take action. For nearly two decades, Citizens for Health has been a nonprofit pioneer in the natural health freedom movement. The Citizens for Health Education Foundation offers tools to inform the public of health issues and educate and influence policymakers. Jim Turner is here to spread the word about some of the most interesting topics that can affect your world, from the dangers of mislabeled or dangerous products to the questions and concerns of vaccines. You'll want to listen to Jim as he speaks on behalf of Citizens for Health. And now, on to our show with Jim Turner and Peter Mingle. Take it away, Peter. Hello, everyone. We are here. It is just before Thanksgiving for those people to celebrate Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, however you're going to celebrate Thanksgiving. I can tell you I don't know anything about you, but I know it's going to be different than probably any other Thanksgiving you've ever celebrated. So having said that, we are here with a great friend of ours. His name is always Jim Turner. He's an attorney over in Washington, D.C. He runs Citizens for Health. He's been there since almost the very, very, very beginning. 1993 is when he got started with it. And he's just an unbelievable gentleman with a wealth of information. And I learned so much by having Jim Turner here. I want to share share this with the world. I knew that Jim was smart when we asked him to be a guest host on Building Fortunes Radio on his Citizens for Health segment. But I quite honestly, I mean, I don't, I don't think you could ever, uh, uh, ever estimate the wealth of information that Jim Turner has and has shared with us on Building Fortunes Radio. So we're really very fortunate. I want to say thank you to Jim, since we're talking about Thanksgiving, for being here. One of the other things I want to kind of announce, which is a little bit of a surprise, kind of, of sort of, we're trying to figure this whole technology thing out. So we started taking our Building Fortunes radio shows, including this one, and putting it into a movie and uh, or video, as some people might call it correctly, and then being able to restream it on our Building Fortunes radio channel, as well as a Twitch channel and a YouTube channel and a whole bunch of other things as well. And because of some of the restrictions that some of the platforms have, it does it for 30 minutes. So what we'll do, I would not want to limit George, uh, Jim Turner to 30 minutes. So what we're going to do is we'll just splice it at the 29-minute mark. We'll add in our exit and then start all over again. So if you hear us and then you don't hear us and then you hear us again on part two, that's because we split it up because sometimes Jim is on a roll. And when he is on a roll, I don't stop Jim Turner because he's great for information. So having said that, that's just a little bit of announcement. We have Building Fortunes Radio as a username on almost every platform we can think of. Um, so Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, where else? Uh, LinkedIn, we'll have one there as well. So we'll be all over the place. So having said that, Tim Turner, thanks for being here, and happy Thanksgiving if I forget to tell you. Well, thank you very much, and, uh, and happy Thanksgiving to you. And also let me say, I guess we've been doing this since about 2014, right? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe even before. Maybe even before. Uh, yeah, or and could be. Uh, and uh, I just want to say it's a great audience. Uh, the people who listen to this program are people who are, uh, at least uh, the responses I get, are uh, self, uh, self-motivated, uh, self-starters, uh, tend to you know, want to organize their lives around what they feel is real and their existential reality and tend to shy away from any kind of orthodoxy. And uh, so it's a great audience. And uh, and even those folks who are the orthodox ones that are out there that have some strong beliefs, uh, they're 
uh, they're they're interested in everything else that's going on. So I I want to just say that about the audience. It's been a great audience uh, all the way along now. See, it's been seven seven eight years, something like that, six seven years. Yeah. And um, and uh, we've touched on a lot of very important stuff. Uh, and I know that just going back every so often to some of the earlier shows, uh, we've actually talked about things uh, before they've happened. Uh, you know, there's um, uh, this whole area of health is so shot with uh, with just bad thinking on the part of the health policy people. And, uh, you know, we've moved down the path of a, you know, a very, very dominant drug com- uh, drug complex that's controlling most of our health care, uh, which is about a fifth of our entire economy. And um, and they're doing it out of the um, idea of uh, how important uh, 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 inherently dangerous chemicals are that can show they have benefits that outweigh their risks. And then they use that to... Uh, sell drugs and to uh, uh, do um, control of the FDA and so on. And what's really fascinating is that now uh, we've been talking about this, as I say, for all just better part of a decade. But now, you know, it's getting very, very clear. They, uh, you know, they had a serious problem with overuse of antibiotics, serious problem with opioid addiction, serious problem with uh, infections in hospitals, uh, and uh, and now we've got this. Um, this uh, opioid thing, uh, not opioid thing, but COVID thing, which is uh, really having all kinds of difficulties uh, with the debates all over the place as to what's actually going on. Nobody seems to know much about it. Uh, we've also got um, uh, we've got situations with um, uh, a, a whole series of efforts to block dietary supplements, block homeopathy, block any energy healing. Uh, there's a you know just an effort, a mindset. Uh, that says anything that people want to do on their own to advance their own health is suspect. And every barrier that can be thought of should be put in their way. And uh, that's the kind of thing uh, I've been working on for years. Uh, You know, it includes, you know, way back when I started, uh, back in the 70s, uh, I started with Ralph Nader in 1968 here in Washington, and and then uh, 71 started my own law practice, and then 73 my own law firm. And uh, we've been going on forever on these issues. And organic food was one of the first ones. Uh, Another one that we got very involved in was uh, vaccines. Uh, I have no idea how to shut off. I have two phones, and one of them I can never figure out how to shut off. So there we go. Sorry about that. All right. Well, well, uh, so no problem. And uh, vaccines were a very serious problem in the 70s. And uh, we had that big um, blow up with the swine flu program in the 1976 that the government had to cut short. Uh, I think we're heading down a path very similar to that with this COVID vaccine. Uh, when I say that, uh, what I'm saying is that the idea that a vaccine is the answer uh, is a huge mistake because I don't think there is a the answer. I think we've got a, uh, a whole range of things that are going to have to be put into place. Uh, you know, if, uh, if vaccines work for some people and they want to use them, uh, that's great. But the argument that everybody must take and should take a vaccine is just a mistake, uh, and it's going to it's going to bite us pretty badly. So anyhow, that's kind of the framework that we've been talking about for, as I say, the better part of a decade. And lo and behold, here we are, 2020, moving into 2021, and pretty much uh, all of the things that uh, have been predicted for uh, the um, the brittle, uh, complex industrial-based societies. Uh, not being able to be sustainable are coming true right across the board. I mean, the food supply is under huge pressure. Uh, we've got uh, serious uh, problems in education. Uh, we've got uh, the healthcare care uh, areas under, under pressure. 
all of these things are systems that were designed to fit a particular way of thinking, which excluded uh, pretty much any kind of choice for the individual, any kind of use of anything that was non-material, any kind of energetic involvement. Those, those are all pushed to the edge, and, uh, and uh, we're now working our way through it. And, uh, you know, people are starting to move out of cities to some extent. Uh, the, the whole the whole world is um, is under a huge shift, uh, and in fact, somebody told me the other day that COVID was Mother's Nature's way of saying go to your room and reflect upon your behavior. So, it's a kind of an interesting context that we're in. Very much so. So, you know, we've spoken about so many different things. I'd say if I were to underline one of the biggest things that I've learned from Jim Turner was the idea that somebody probably is very passionate about your opposing side. And they are so passionate about your opposing side, it's just as passionate as you are about your side. And that really makes me think sometimes because, you know, I might say, you know, maybe I have a, I'm going to question vaccines. And there's somebody maybe on the other side that just thinks that vaccines are the only way like the only way. So you've certainly allowed me to kind of reposition some of my thoughts where I really see like, okay, so I see their point. I don't agree with their point, but I see their point and I can see why they're so passionately going after it. And it's going to be a, it's going to be like a UFC MMA, you know, slugfest if we get in a ring, but it's, you know, they feel pretty strongly about it. And on a good day, they might kick my butt. So the reality is, is that I think, from the transpartisan kind of approach that you've shared with people, you've really kind of educated me and a lot of our Building Fortunes radio listening audience again as well. So I said that sincerely. So there's lessons in every one of the Building Fortunes radio citizens' uh, archives. And if you go to buildingfortunesradio.com forward slash citizens, you'll be able to hear them. If you sign up for the newsletter on citizens.org, citizens.org, you'll be able to get the cool newsletters and action alerts and everything else he's got going on. Okay, so let's move into today's topic. I'll let you comment on whatever I said, um, but I want to talk a little bit about vaccines. There was a... Okay. A, uh, so, Gad, you can comment first. Well, well, first of all, go ahead. Just ask me your question about it, and then we can, we can launch into it. So I was just seeing a CNN headline that Facebook uh, basically shut down... Uh, they call it an anti-vaxxer big Facebook group. And part of the reason why is because they were, you know, spreading disinformation. And the disinformation, the type of disinformation they were shedding were, were their stories. Like one person said, after the vaccine, my kid had hearing problems, seizures, um, you know, other types of disability type related issues. And it was, you know, I know my kid and it was right after the vaccine. And then, of course, the medical community says, no, that's not possible. It's unrelated. And they shut her down because what she witnessed about her own kid can't be spoken. And that's weird. You know, that's that's I don't know what level of censorship that might be. And I know from my own personal example, um, we had now people aren't dogs. I know that. But just for example purposes, if people were dogs or people were kids, this would still apply. Uh, we used to have three dogs. Um, my wife one time told me that the dogs uh, need their shots, and if you go to 
whatever the PetSmart, I'm going to call it, it wasn't PetSmart at the time, but Pets World, let's say. And if you go there, there's a vet that's in the parking lot, and she's going to be able to give all the three dogs their shots for 20 bucks instead of 120 bucks. I'm like, well, three times 20 is 60. Three times 120 is like way more than 60 because I'm pretty good with math. Sure, let's go. So I pick up the three dogs. They get their shots. One of the two of the dogs are fine. One of the dogs goes into seizure that night. We bring them to the emergency room. Vet says, what did you do differently? Well, she just had the vaccinations all three at one time. Yep, we see this all the time, blah, 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 blah. I don't remember ever seeing the warning. Like, there was no big warning flag. Vet never said anything like that to me. Oh, you run a risk of whatever, because I would have spent the 360 because they spent way more than that on the emergency room. But I digress. If someone came back to me and then said, now go give that, that dog that had that problem, the seizures that almost died, that never had that since, um, go give her another vaccine, I'd be kind of... Uh, a little bit leery to that, and maybe even somewhat physical if somebody was going to come to my house and want to jab it with a vaccine. So, you know, the idea that I can't even have that story, I can't even tell that story, and the medical community is going to say, no, that didn't happen. That happened to my dog. If it happened to my kid, I'd be a little bit more, uh, how would I say, persuasive and sensitive and probably want to march on that. So, Jim, do you want to talk about vaccines and those types of issues and whatever comments I made? Yeah, uh, let's start out with what you said when we were just getting on. Uh, you said, let's talk about vaccines and then let's talk about the election. Uh, let, me, let me suggest that vaccines and the election are very, very closely related. Uh, and then I want to go into the vaccine issue just very quickly uh, and point out that the experience that you had with the dog is reported repeatedly by people with their own children. A uh, health, perfectly healthy child goes into uh, uh, into get their um, their their well baby checkup, uh, they get a vaccine and uh, and then they leave and something happens to the baby. Now the government has come up with a law to deal with that problem, which says that if that happens, you can apply to the Justice Department of the United States government, uh, and they will pay you money uh, for that injury if it meets certain criteria, and that is that if it happened within a certain period of time after the shot was given. Uh, and if it has a certain uh, set of symptoms, symptoms, if those are clear, then uh, you will be compensated by the government. Now, what happens is uh, an individual applies, uh, and, uh, then, uh, and then the individual has to go through what is a hearing process. And the law pays for you to have a lawyer to go through that process, and then they fight between the government lawyer who says, no, it couldn't possibly have been you, uh, that had this happened to, and then your lawyer says, yes, it was, and then they have a big fight, and then they bring in some doctors, and they have people that review everything, and then the doctors uh, decide, uh, yes, uh, this case they should get compensated, no, this case they shouldn't. Uh, in that process, over, since that law was passed in 1988, uh, the federal government has paid about $4.1 billion to families whose children have had a reaction that caused them to be uh, either killed or uh, immobile for life. And, uh, and uh, that they, they, the, the uh, medical establishment's position is that's a small price to pay for everybody, being protect, every, everybody else being protected by the vaccine. Uh, my position and citizens' health position is that issue is one that the individual should have a choice about. The individual should be able to choose whether they want to subject themselves to that risk. Uh, and uh, it's my belief that if we allow individual choice, we will come up with a much better refined use 
of all of the different potential ways of dealing with infectious diseases uh, that include not only vaccines, but a whole range of other possibilities. And um, right now, we are herded uh, by the process, the medical process, the thing you described about your dog, we are herded by the process into being, uh, being uh, seduced, uh, manipulated, cajoled, and ultimately finally mandated into taking, quote, the vaccine. Um, uh, the way that the vaccine uh, safety issues are decided um, and the manner within which they are tracked and so forth is, um, at the, not to put too fine a point on it, less than perfect. Uh, we do not have a very refined sense of uh, how harmful a vaccine is, and we do not have a very refined sense of how many people are, in fact, being harmed. Uh, it's a, it's uh, estimated, for example, that uh, for um, every one of the people who apply to the Fed Justice Department for compensation, there are 100 who have been harmed but did not apply. And then uh, you have to remember that a very small number of those who apply actually get compensated. So that the potential danger there, we already have $4.1 billion has been paid out. Uh, the potential financial harm that we're talking about is enormous. Uh, and yet we just move ahead un un uncritically toward doing something called a vaccine. <clears throat> and um, it's not at all clear even what a vaccine is because the debate in public is almost always about the active ingredient in the vaccine. It's about, um, okay, so we've got COVID and this is a thing that will affect COVID and so forth. Very little discussion is about all the things that come along with the uh, actual vaccine. There are adjuvants and there are preservatives. Um, mercury is in some vaccines, uh, aluminum is in many others. Uh, there, um, there are, uh, 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 mediums within which it's grown, for example. Many of the vaccines are grown uh, in uh, 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 aborted fetal cells, which many people would choose not to have, and there's a huge debate about whether they can be dangerous. Um, and this debate goes on almost, uh, it goes on very quietly inside the scientific community, and then whatever's allowed to come out of that is considered to be the resolution of the debate, even though it has not necessarily uh, disposed of all the data. So all that's going on uh, in the vaccine world, and then it, all of it goes on around each one of the pharmaceuticals that's put out there. Um, uh, each one of these debates, go, and, and um, you know, the, the Nader Health Research Group has actually gotten the FDA to withdraw uh, either the entire drug or claims for drugs in over 150 instances over the last uh, 30 years or so. Um, uh, major drugs uh, that uh, have been used for years have been withdrawn by the FDA. Um, the, the notion of uh, statements such as a headline I saw yesterday, Pfizer, uh, Pfizer uh, vaccine 95% effective. I, I can tell you flat out they cannot prove that that's true. Uh, I know that uh, I was noticing that at one point Dr. Fauci said that they would consider a, uh, a, 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 a vaccine effective if it was effective in 50% of the cases. So are they saying that? It was effective 95% of the time in 50% of the cases. Is that what they're saying? Uh, there's a petition at the FDA now filed by some of the people who are raising vaccine questions uh, saying that the FDA endpoints need to be refined because what the, uh, what the companies are doing uh, is not refined enough. Uh, now, it's very important to understand that the FDA does not do any actual studies on these vaccines. They're all done by the companies. 
and then the FDA reviews the studies to see uh, if they were proper or not. So the studies are designed and the endpoints are created by the manufacturers. And the petition that's coming into the FDA says that the endpoints the manufacturers created were not accurate. Now, just imagine all this debate is going on about the COVID virus and that COVID-19 vaccine, um, and it's almost invisible to the public. You can see little tips of it every so often. And at the end, it's going to come out with a flat-out statement, uh, everybody should take this vaccine. And then there's going to be policies put in place. You can't go to concerts if you haven't taken the vaccine. Uh, you can't uh, fly on planes. You can't have a passport. You can't, uh, eventually they're going to say you can't leave your house. And uh, this kind of uh, approach, uh, look, where, wherever you stand on that issue, that kind of approach is going to not work. It, it's going to create such division in society. So I said that the vaccine question and the election are t very entwined. The number one issue in the election was the managing the COVID virus issue or the COVID-19 issue. And I am pretty sure, looking at it from the Citizens for Health point of view, that the per people who were concerned about how the COVID vaccine issue was being handled split fairly evenly between Biden and Trump. There was an assumption that people who said it's not being handled well would not vote for Trump. But the fact of the matter is that Democrats have gotten the uh, reputation for being totally on the side of pushing all what's called science, which is the the position that the pharmaceutical companies take, they say they're science-based, they push the science position of the pharmaceutical companies. Uh, the Democrats are, have that reputation, and we've had many people contact us uh, that through the Citizens Contact framework that say we've been lifelong Democrats, but on the basis of this issue, we're going to switch and vote for Trump. Uh, and, I, and I find that quite, quite interesting. Uh, we've said over and over that um, actually to understand, this is the transpartisan framework, to understand our politics, we need to understand that it's a matrix, not a spectrum, that you have people who are order people and people who are freedom people, and there are people in both camps on the, on the right and the left. So you have people in government and people in corporations who want to tell other people about how to live, and they get together and they organize themselves, and they are the order team. And they make all kinds of arguments about why what they say should be what everybody does. Then there are free people, you know, freedom people, and those people are on both the left and the right. Uh, you know, not to not to you know stir the pot too much, but just say that freedom left people would say right to choice and abortion is really important. Freedom right people would say owner, gun ownership is important. And what's fascinating to me is that both of them who are want freedom in their particular issue try to get order against their opponents in the other issue. So you'll have a bunch of people who are uh, pro-choice uh, uh, pro on the abortion question and want to restrict gun ownership. On the other hand, you'll have a bunch of people who are pro-gun ownership who want to restrict access to abortions. And unfortunately, you cannot have a debate in a society where people are split like that and only have one choice when they go to, go to the ballot box. Uh, and so what ends up is you get a very distorted uh, expression. In this particular election, we have a very interesting framework. The framework is that we have a, we're calling it a transpartisan blowout.
Our analysis is that roughly 70% of the eligible voting public, that's the people who the Constitution says are allowed to vote, we have approximately 70% of that population does not identify with either Democrats or Republicans. For the most part, they tend to be excluded from the process. They don't have anybody to vote for. Uh, uh, there are more registered independents than there are registered Democrats or registered Republicans. If you add all of the unregistered eligible voters to the registered independents, that group is larger than registered Democrats and registered Republicans combined. What we're saying in the transpartisan wing of things is that that 70% is essentially excluded from being able to be heard in the process. Well, we had the largest vote turnout in history. I mean, largest in every way, shape, or form, percentage-wise, number-wise, population-wise, that is, percentage of eligible voters-wise. It was huge. And, you know, the Democrats were going around, the pollsters, the pundits, and the politicians were going around saying, blue wave, how big, how important, how powerful. But his allies were going around saying, not in your life, it's going to be a red wave. And I'm here to tell you that from a transpartisan point of view, we had both a blue wave and a red wave. The largest and second largest number of votes ever cast for president were cast first for Biden and then for Trump. All right, so there's a big argument underway as to, you know, is Trump going to undermine the vote and so on. I, I don't think it's very likely. I'd say 95% likelihood Biden will be inaugurated on the 20th of January. And I say that I'm, I don't have, I don't, I'm not a particular fan of conspiracy theories or manipulation stuff, but I can tell you that in, 19, in 2004, <clears throat> all the arguments that Trump is making on behalf of the Republican Party having uh, been screwed out of the presidency, were being made by the Democratic Party as having been screwed out of the presidency. The idea that machines could change votes and things like that, all of those were made by the Democrats in 2004, and they're being made by the Republicans in 2020. Um, my, my position on those things is that when it comes to an election, um, there is a system that counts the votes, verifies the votes, and then certifies the votes, and then uh, the Electoral College meets, casts the votes, and then we're done. And we're on that process. It looks to me, uh, as all the cases get tossed out of court and so forth, that it's moving in the direction of Biden being elected. Now, what's interesting is that because you had uh, a basically, uh, it's, it's basically um, 80 million to 70 million breakup in the votes, roughly. It looks like Biden's going to end up with 80 million. That's, raw, that's a very limiting uh, action on the part of the president. In other words, the transpartisan voice said we're going to have a limited presidency going forward. That same voice reduced the amount of power the Democrats had in the House and reduced the amount of power the Republicans have in the Senate. And not only that, but they left the Senate, that transpartisan voice left the Senate undecided until January 5th. So the way that, uh, that McConnell and the Republicans um, uh, and Schumer and the Democrats act in the Senate between now and January 5th will have a good deal to say about how uh, the battle in, or uh, in Georgia is un is unfolds. Uh, you know, in a way, you could say that battle is Tracy Abrams, who's the leading voice of the blue wave in Georgia, um, just barely missed being elected governor, again, a month, a month, amid a bunch of uh, arguments about vote fraud and so forth. Um, 
the Tracy Abrams versus Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell needs those two votes, or he cannot control the Senate. Uh, yeah, and you, prob- you, probably meant, you probably meant Stacy, right? You said Tracy, but you probably meant Stacy. Stacy, I meant Stacy, right? Thank you yep. very much, Stacy. You're absolutely welcome. correct. And, ho- and hold that thought for one second. For those people listening in, remember we said we're going to chop this off at 30 minutes, and then we're going to come back. So, Jim, for those people listening in, join us on part two. So we'll be back. So we are here. Uh, thanks a lot, Peter. Bye. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Citizens for Health radio show, brought to you by Citizens for Health on buildingfortunesradio.com with Jim Turner and Peter Mingle. Thanks for listening. For nearly two decades, Citizens for Health has been a nonprofit pioneer in the natural health freedom movement. Go to www.citizens.org to learn more and always listen in to Building Fortunes Radio, where our special host, Jim Turner, shares crucial information about many of the most important issues that affect your world. Citizens for Health provides over 100,000 supporters with consumer news, action alerts, and opportunities to take action. So listen in, get involved, and help spread the word. Be sure to check out the BuildingFortunesRadio.com website to hear more Citizens for Health segments with Jim Turner and Peter Meagle. And read about what's new on www.citizens.org. It's been our privilege to have you listen in. Jim Turner, Peter, and I want to say thanks for listening and ask you to go spread the word. Tell a friend, join our newsletter, and go make a difference in your world.